and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast, HQ edition. I am your host, Will Gottlieb. I am joined by my good mate, Markay, and we are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Make sure to download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. It is a Sunday night, 8 p.m. edition. Uh, we have a lot to talk about here, um, but first... Mark, how you doing? We we're gonna spend our our hour here talking about the AK presser um, from yesterday, but I know it started at like three in the morning for you. Did you get a chance to watch it? What were, what were your overarching thoughts? How are you feeling in general? Well, firstly, I've just noticed when you host this show, um, I never get any platitudes about my features and my appearance, and you you, you are you never big up me in that sense. So that that's one thing I've noticed. But yes. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I did watch the AK presser. I've watched it several times now over. I didn't watch it live because as you noted, it was 3.30 a.m. for me and I was not waking up at 3.30 a.m. to watch an AK presser, which uh, I knew there was going to be nothing really said. But uh, nonetheless, the funny thing about that is that him saying nothing gives us enough nonsense here for us to pro- probably bang on for about five hours i know we're trying to keep <laughs> this to an hour podcast but we could probably go for five five hours so that's the irony irony in it all william but uh yes i have watched it i'm sure everyone tuning in has watched it now um if they haven't we're, we're certainly going to hit on all the main talking points and give our thoughts on it but uh it was an interesting interesting presser and i say interesting obviously very sarcastically Yes, yes. Well, you talk about uh, outer beauty. I am going to guess up your brains and your intelligence here and your smartness because I am very excited to talk to you and get your takes, your highly intelligent takes about um, a bunch of stuff that AK said during this press conference. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the comments that he made that I found to be the most um, prudent and important. Um, I wrote a story about this on the website, allchgo.com, that sort of lined up the majority of my thoughts, but we have a platform here where we can get a little bit deeper into it. And then of course, Mark, I want to hear your takes. So we'll be talking about um, additions and subtractions, picking the lane at the deadline and moving forward, what's to come, a rebuild, how do you bring back all these guys given the cap uncertainty, um, a lot to talk about, but uh, let's let's just get into it here. Um, so AK press conference, he kind of came out with Billy Donovan and was just peppered with questions by the media for 27 minutes. Um, Billy, Billy, I think answered like one question. So everybody was just, um, you know, we get, we get to talk to AK for like, you know, four times a year and it's, it's end of season, it's draft free agency trade deadline, and that's it. So these are our times to get as much information as we can. And there's a lot to talk about. I mean, in terms of the current group, which he sort of um, expressed uh, that that he felt like they were moving in the right direction. I found that to be really interesting. Um, but like I said, we'll get into it. And I want to start with shooting because that is something that we've talked about literally every single show. I've written many uh, gamer recaps on the lack of shooting and how the bulls are up against this math problem every single night, every single time they take the floor. Um, so Joey, if you have the first quote from AK about adding shooting when asked about, uh, finding ways to add shooters to this roster next year, he said, it will be a priority for us. 
to kind of change our shooting profile because it's very difficult for us to go into every game with such a deficit. We're last in rate, three-point rate. We're last in three-point fuel was made. It's almost like we're going into every game with eight points deficit to make up for it. Um, I mean, I'm glad he knows this. It's quite obvious. Um, I think, we, we, like I said, we all know it. But at the trade deadline, he kind of he kind of tempered that. And he said, look, we're, we're not shooting a bunch of them, but we're making them at a high level. And now he's kind of coming out and saying, well, look, we, we've got this problem. What, what did you make of that quote? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Julia Paul of the Chicago Tribune quizzed him on it, on, on the shooting more generally. But I'm glad she also followed up about the fact that uh, this team doesn't necessarily have a lot of uh, assets to improve on their roster. And that was in addition to Casey, a question he had asked earlier around adding pieces to the roster going forward. Um, so I don't want to come back and touch on that point a little bit later, but the the quote that got me probably riled up at that point from AK was like, he obviously mentioned the fact that they were last in three point rate or not a good team from a, from a three point uh, rate perspective, obviously not a great three point makes team, but uh, so he addressed the fact that they need to add shooting. But the thing he did say is, and this comes back to your point around some quotes that he had at the at the deadline. He said, "We have a good, uh, we have a lot of good shooters as well who are who are develop uh, who are developing. Excuse me. We created a lot of shots, and at times they just turned them down. And I'm just sitting there going, I mean, one, who are these good shooters that you're referencing here? Because there might be two, maybe three." quote unquote good shooters on this roster currently and this idea that the rest of the roster are developing shooters and for whatever reason the reason they didn't take a lot of threes was just a confidence thing or they just didn't take the shots that was a completely mind-boggling type comment i mean there isn't just the reason you're last in three-point attempt rate on in uh, in the league is because you have a team that has just has no shooters like we can't talk about like Derek Jones Jr. being an improving shooter or Javante Green or Beverly or Caruso. Insert whoever you want, any of these role guys. None of them can shoot. The reason why your team is last in three-point attempt rate is because your team, the characteristics of the players on this team, they're not shooters. That's why they don't turn it down. That's why they turn down those shoot, uh, turn down those threes. That's why they don't have confidence from the three-point line. So this idea that we have shooters in place or we have some shooters in place, like that was completely ridiculous comment from him in, in that respect so i like the fact that he addressed the shooting thing and the fact that they want to add to it we'll come back to it we'll, we'll address that a little bit later as to the feasibility of them doing so but this idea that this team actually has shooters and for whatever reason for whatever reason we created threes but we just turned them down or we didn't have the confidence to take them that was complete nonsense well i think that's also a bigger problem than just not shooting i mean they're they're tied hand in hand but i, I kind of went on a tweet storm about this this morning because I'm just looking at some of these other playoff teams right now. Kings Warriors being the best example of these yeah. teams. I mean, the Warriors took 53s. They're playing a different sport. And yeah. it's not like the Bulls have guys that like are good shooters, but turn them down. It's that they don't have any shooters. And the one that you can rely on is Zach Levine. And he wants to be getting downhill and the Bulls need him to get downhill. Um, mm -hmm. Kobe White has been a lot better, but he's inconsistent. But it, so it's not just like that you ha you have a couple of shooters like you you need to have multiple shooters on the floor at all times around these guys. Like right now, yep. Zach and Demar and Vooch are just swimming upstream because the complementary players around them are making life harder on them because of the floor spacing. And you look at teams like the Kings and the Warriors where their off ball action is literally generating offense in and of itself. 
The Bulls are like catching sprout passes and reluctantly shooting threes. It's a completely different thing when mm-hmm. you're forcing the defense to have to key in on, you know, uh, a DHO between Sabonis and Kevin Herter as opposed to a Deer and Fox isolation or pick and roll. Like that adds such a dynamic element to your offense. And when you think about it that way, you realize the Bulls have so much of their offense going through Zach drives, isolations, pick and rolls, Demar mid-range stuff like there's no there's nothing creating offense for those guys they have to they have to carry the entire burden and so your offense is basically free throw jumpers elbow line jumpers and trying to get to the rim but there's no space so you're you're just bludgeoning your way into the paint to try to get fouls and it's just it doesn't work i mean that's how you score 95 points it's not how you score 120 points which is what most of these teams are doing and so um I, i think the fact that he acknowledged the shooting, obviously a good thing, like they need to do that. But I, for me, I want to see this team, like not just like become competent and like get out of the bottom two of shooting in the league. Like I think they really need to have like a fleet of shooters around those guys and, and make it a real weapon because they have really good offensive players, but they just don't, they're not maximized right now. I don't want to say they don't fit together, but they're not maximized because of the, the lack of spacing around them. So um, to me, it just reinforced this idea that not only do you need to like get better at shooting for Patrick and for Kobe and for all these guys, but you also need to add like shooting specialists that also comes with the trade-off of defense and like the bulls are a good defense. How much do they want to drop back? So it's a big question. Um, I think we're, we're kind of saving for the end, this, uh, salary cap idea and, and how much they're going to have space to even do any of this. But to me, shooting is like a non-negotiable they they have to not just add shooters but become a really good three-point shooting team definitely and look there's there's different types of shooting as well right like there's catch and shoot guys like patrick williams has become a really really good catch and shoot three-point shooter kobe white can obviously do that and get hot he did that in the fourth quarter against the heat the other night um we know zach is a fantastic shooter but we brought up the Kings example, the Warriors example. What, what do they have that the Bulls don't have in addition to catch and shoot shooters? They have movement shooters, which is probably more imp- important. The Heat, the Heat, not a very good offensive team, but they had a lot of movement shooters. The guy that killed the Bulls, Max Strews, is a movement shooter. Tyler Hero is a movement shooter. So it's like one thing to just address the, the catch and shoot element, which the Bulls right. obviously need to do, but having that movement type shooter which ideally would be zach but you kind of need zach on balls as well so you can't necessarily do it all the time with him but you need that movement shooting as well in this day and age and obviously the balls just clearly don't have anyone that's capable of necessarily doing that particularly if zach is on ball so in terms of the offense and its ability to hit the strides of all these other offenses that we want to compare it to like we don't even have to compare it to the heat or sorry to the to the warriors or the kings like even just comparing it to the heat whose offense wasn't good this season, but they have that ability to go to a Max Drews, a Tyler Hero. Like Duncan Robinson played get, played today for the Heat because of uh, injuries to Tyler Hero. But like the Bulls don't have any of these movement shooters either. So there's so there's so many limitations to this to this offense from that from that standpoint. Like, what's the point of running a flare screen? or some sort of flare action for Patrick Beverly or Alex Caruso or whoever it may be. Like yeah. these dudes aren't catching and shooting off the movement. Like, all right, maybe every now and then they'll, uh, they'll have a good game as a catch and shoot guy as Caruso did in that, pl- that final playing game, but having them shoot off the move like that, which is again, to your point, like creates additional spacing for guys like DeMar Vooch and, and Zach to operating. Like you just don't have that. And it's really hard to get that. I understand. 
But, uh, you know, catching shooting threes, that's one thing, but that would be nice to to have. And maybe that's the first step, but can we try to prioritize like an, an actual movement shooter or a Doug McDermott type or something like that? Whoever it might be. We, we, we need something like that. Crazy, too. crazy times that we're pleading for a Doug McDermott return. Yearning for Doug um, McDermott. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think also like the bulls have some capability and we, we've both been Billy Donovan defenders, but I think like if they put Vooch on the post and ran some split cut actions with Kobe and Zach, that would be incredibly difficult to defend. You get Zach, you know, setting screens and slipping out of them, diving downhill with his man on his back. Like that's a dunk or a layup. Kobe can flare out and sets. They have some of that. Um, they don't really go to it. And part of that is because there's no shooting on the weak side. Uh, Chubbs 82 brings up a good point that Lonzo is the only player on the team that can pass. Um, he's also one of the few players on the team that can shoot. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked a ton about how Lonzo affected the offense. Um, also noting that like the three point attempt rate wasn't that different while he was there. And that's true. Yeah. But at the same time, like when you have a guy who is not just like a capable 40 plus percent three point shooter, like a Patrick Williams, but you have a guy who's like, I'm trying to get up seven, eight shots. Like I'm, I'm actively seeking out those kind of shots. Um, that just really opens up the floor. So that's a good uh, segue into the next quote that I wanted to hit on, which is about Lonzo. Joe, if you have that, um, basically when asked about sort of how he operated around the Lonzo situation um, heading into the season, and I think this actually sort of applies to the trade deadline as well, not really knowing what was going to happen in terms of his availability, his ability to get back on the floor. Um, And he said, I don't have regrets because I had to wait for clarity. We're going in with hopes that he was going to play for us. And that I didn't want to wait and have to adjust after, and I had to adjust after. That's how we're going to look at it. I don't know his timeline, but we're going to make adjustments and tweaks to the roster to address that. So um, basically sort of doubling down on this idea, which I think is, I don't buy it, um, doubling down on the idea that like he couldn't have done anything because he needed to wait to see if Lonzo was going to come back. I think it was clear from the outside perspective that Lonzo wasn't going to come back. They obviously had to know more than we did from the outside and um you know they he the news came out that he was having his second surgery uh you know a month after the trade deadline or a, a month after free agency like they, they knew that was coming he, he had been out since january they could have made some sort of move and same thing at the deadline that news came out a week after the deadline you know that that's coming if he's still not ready like you you have to do something and uh so i, I don't buy that about having to be reactive to the Lonzo thing they should have been more proactive and I think it's really more about the fact that they're kind of painted into a corner rather than um than they just needed to wait yeah look uh completely agree I'm not sure if you you can hear this or the the listeners can hear this but my beagle's in the background he's snoring he's asleep and that was kind of my response as well when I heard AK (laughs) discussing this Lonzo piece like, okay, maybe if I want to give, maybe if I want to be like very generous, I want to allow you some sort of grace in that sense. Okay, maybe in the offseason you couldn't address that because maybe you were holding out hope. Okay, things were delayed with Lonzo, but maybe, maybe October, you know, November, December, January, whatever it might be, maybe, maybe he comes back. But absolutely at the trade deadline, you completely knew that he was not coming back and you knew 
that you you all, your point guard defense or your point guard play more generally was going to suffer from that. Now, they got lucky in some regards that guys like Beverly and, and potentially Westbrook became available. But what happens if that didn't happen? Clearly, the guy that you had brought in, Goran Dragic, to be somewhat of the Lonzo replacement, he had been bought out. He went up on the buck. So like the guy that you were hoping to supplement your point guard your point guard play in the first 40 or 50 games, he was no longer on the team. And and obviously, clearly, Io just hadn't taken that progression that we had all hoped, and he was sort of thrown under the bus some in some regards too to be the starting point guard of this team, a second year guy, a second round, a second round pick trying to be that that uh, that point guard option. But this idea that um, he has no regrets, or they they didn't necessarily have a lot of options to really uh, boost that point guard position, like again, complete nonsense. And the reason why they should have done this and the reason why it wouldn't have been an issue had they done this and really prioritized point guard is Lonzo is a plug and play guy. Like he, even if he was to come back, it's not like Lonzo can't play other positions. The dude's six foot five, six foot six. So in some regards, he doesn't even act like a point guard on offense. So had you prioritized and gone after a certain point guard, whoever that may have been, even when you're reintegrating Lonzo back into the lineup, Lonzo could have played next to that guy. And even if Lonzo had come back, like you can't trust Lonzo being healthy anyway. So like this idea yeah. that there was no regrets or that they had to wait for clarity and all this sort of stuff, it's again, complete nonsense. So um, that was one of the uh, the remarks from AK that again, got me fired up, fired up, slushed, had me wanting to go back to bed like my beagle is at the moment. But uh, yeah, I know he has to say certain things, but this idea that they're, that there was uh, a justification for their inaction around the whole Lonzo piece. It's, it's, it's again, it's nonsense. Yeah. Again, I think it's more about uh lack of mobility than it is about um, wanting to hold out because you're right. I mean, there's no way Lonzo, even if he did come back to start the year was not giving you, you know, 35 minutes a game for 80 games. Like that was just never going to happen. Um, so you do need to find some sort of relief, Obviously, Io didn't make the the step into a starting point guard role, and you you do go out and get Patrick Beverly, but that was a buyout situation. That was not active. That was that was reactive. Uh, he did not like go seek out a move to go make. Um, and you you credit him for taking advantage of it. He obviously said he liked the direction they were going, but again, I think a lot of this comes down to a lack of mobility due to the way that the Roster is configured right now. Obviously, the $20 in what is effectively dead money on the books for Alonzo. And um, and the fact that like once you wait to a certain point, like the free agents are gone. Those guys are the free agent pool is dried up, and you can't really like go out there and use a designated player exception, um, a disabled player exception, excuse me, to go sign like you know who off the buyout market like you're just not going to do that so um i think the options were just gone by the time they were able to make any moves and i think they were they should have been ready to to pounce on guys before it got to that point well i mean the, the reality is that it just didn't prioritize guard at in in the offseason uh for whatever reason they brought back both javante green and, and Derek jones jr in addition to andre drummond now in isolation I can understand why you'd want to add all three of them to your team. Certainly, you needed a backup center. Drummond was a good choice in that regard. He, he was an adequate backup center. But did you really need both Javante and Derek Jones Jr.? Again, two guys I really liked, two guys I enjoyed watching their, during their time in Chicago. But there was so much crossover between those guys. And at that point in time, 
you know things still weren't clicking with Lonzo. It had been six, seven months at that point. Clearly, there was on a path where he wasn't going to be coming back. And even if he was coming back, like I said, you couldn't necessarily trust him to be a, a knife, you know, playing every single night. So the, the fact is they just didn't prioritize point guard in the offseason. They clearly didn't do it at the deadline. But even at in the offseason, they had some means to target the point guard position. Obviously, the draft. that We know they didn't take a point guard in the draft. They took Dalen, a wing. They didn't prioritize using their mid-level exception. They used part of it to sign Drummond. They obviously used part of it to bring back Derek Jones. But like, if you had the mid-level exception there, maybe you couldn't get like a starting-level guy. Maybe you couldn't even get like a Tyus Jones-level backup. But could you have used that 3 or $4 million that you spent on Derek Jones Jr.? someone who you don't necessarily need because you had a similar guy like Javante there, could you have gone out and get a, got a point guard in that situation? Maybe. I, I would posit you could have. Yeah, I think uh, transactions are going to be sort of a fixture of this conversation moving forward. Um, and we want to get to the trade deadline and then um, just a look ahead to the future here. But first, um, we're going to take a quick ad break so I can tell you guys about one of our newest friends here, Fubo TV. Fubo TV is a streaming service with 140 live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device, uh, from anywhere, whether it's at home or on vacation. You can watch most of Chicago sports for the lowest price. That includes Marquee and NBC Sports for Cubs, Sox, and Bulls. And you can kick it off with a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. You just sign up and start watching. Um, and if you're a psychopath like me, who's going to spend all summer rewatching Bulls games and breaking down film to try to get a better understanding of what was happening and what went wrong and learning more about X's and O's and all of the crazy things that I'm going to spend my time doing, you can do that with a thousand hours of cloud DVR included for no extra charge. So download those Bulls games, rewatch the film with a thousand hours of cloud DVR. Um, and like I said, you can do it while you're traveling too, which is really handy if you're going on summer vacation or anything like that. Um, there's the NFL draft and NHL draft coming up on ESPN. You'll have access to that NFL network. And of course the playoffs, both NHL and NBA. And like I said, they've got NBC sports and marquee. So you can watch the Cubs and Sox. Um, all of that with Fubo TV. If you use the link in the description to sign up for 15% off your first month, with Fubo Pro. So check that out, Fubo TV. Um, Mark, can you tell the people about your your homies over here at Goose Island? I can, William. I can. And uh, I wish I was in Chicago right now because I wish I'd be, uh, I wish I could drown my sorrows with some some Goose Island beers. But instead, uh, back here home, at home, instead, what I was doing was just basically eating entire loaves of sourdough bread because I just didn't have that beautiful, sweet, Goose Island beer to really down my sorrows with this after the Chicago Bulls season ended on Friday night. But uh, for you folks who are in Chicago, if you're in the US, obviously he, us here at CHDU, we have been supported and we are supported by the best beer company in Chicago. That, of course, is the Goose Island Beer Company, which has been Chicago's beer since 1988. And look, if you are in Chicago and you're not drinking, if you're not drinking your Goose Isles at this stage, particularly as we head into the offseason, if you're a Bulls fan, and you need to relieve some stress. If you want to get together with your mates and just commiserate about this ball season, then head down to the Goose Island Tap Rooms. There's two of them. So you've got the one the one at uh, 1800 West Fulton. You've got another one at the Clybourne Brew House, uh, 1800 North Clybourne. Just just go down there with your mates, down a few of these beers, get that 312 into your 
get my favorite, the Matilda down your throat as well. This is a beautiful beer company who support us. If you want to support us, please do so by, by supporting our friends at Goose Island. And like I said, it's just a good way to catch up with your mates, get down to a tap room, have some beers, talk balls with your mates, talk about all the things that uh, we're discussing here today, what the balls can do in the offseason, all that sort of stuff. Have these in-person conversations with your friends, talking balls, talking uh, baseball. Obviously, baseball is back in Chicago, all these sorts of things. And, w- and what better way to do that with a goose in your hand? So uh, I certainly endorse this company. I love my time in goose. I could really do with some goose right now. But um, like I said, unfortunately, I'm just stuffing down calories and that's the way I'm dealing with the, uh, dealing with this uh, sad, sad ball season. But uh, I really wish I had that three one two in my hand, William. I really wish I could. Eco Bean says Mark's ad read makes me want to send him a keg through the mail. Eco Bean, <laughs> respect. We also got a super chat from Just Joe. You guys reckon the Bulls will buy into the draft? Um, this is a whole separate conversation, but I think mm-hmm. the short answer is. If they buy into the second round, they will have to forfeit that pick to the league as a fine from the Lonzo Ball tampering, which is just great. (laughs) Um, And then if they uh, buy into the first round, it's obviously going to be pretty difficult because first round picks are more expensive than gold. Um, They do have the Portland Trailblazers lottery protected pick that obviously did not convey this year, but that can put some pressure on the Blazers to maybe give them the Knicks pick that they now acquired um, in the Josh Hart trade or some other asset down the line. So I think that's kind of their one way, but um, obviously that's, I mean, that's what we're going to be looking forward to here. Is there any sort of cap or uh, creative flexibility going on here behind the scenes that we just don't know about yet? And uh, I think we can all say that we hope we do Um, on that topic. uh, Shout out to just Joe William, because uh, he he is tuning in from the UK. It's 2 2 a.m. over there in the UK at the moment. So I appreciate just Joe and all our uh, international Bulls fans hanging with us tonight. We had to start late because Joey was being real slow today. I'm just kidding, Joe. Not not just Joe, Um, Joey Spathis, just to be clear. Just Joey Spathis. Um, Let's let's talk about the trade deadline because that was obviously a source of consternation um, when the Bulls were two games under 500 at the deadline. They, of course, did not make any moves and then continued to lose not one, not two, not three, not four, but five games in a row coming out of the trade deadline, including one the night of the deadline to the Brooklyn Nets, who AK had basically just said, we're better than this team now because they just traded Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, <laughs> so that was great. Uh, this, this also, I think includes the buyout market and the decision to bring in Patrick Beverly, but he says, um, and Joey, if you can show the quote, uh, we chose the lane, which was to stay with the same group. And that came out post all-star break to be the right decision. I don't know if we could have made any changes that would have been better than 14 and nine. Um, obviously 49, pretty good. Um, but I think the, the larger issue is, um, you know, was that the right call for the future? Because obviously the result was they lost in the play-in. The second piece here is that um, I think that was our lane, meaning the the lane that they chose to to stand pat, to stay with the group. And secondly, obviously you need to know what was available. And if there are no deals to make this team better, those are the decisions that we made to stay pat. Um, Super interesting second piece of that for me is if there were no deals to make this team better and why I highlight that is because it to me indicates that that was the only possible trajectory that they were on. 
And I think that's really the the larger issue that we're faced with here is should they have been open to picking a different lane? Because it seems like obviously they they did stay on the path. They defended the fact that they did. And I understand why they did that. But should they have been more open? And I think the answer to that, I certainly believe is yes. And I think it set them back that they didn't do that. But what do you say, Mark? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and I, again, I don't buy this as a response because, and I, and I understand why AK would play this type of response because he can use the uh, perspective that obviously he had all the information. We don't necessarily have all the information. Therefore, we're not in a position to say, yes, you could have done more or not. And I guess technically that is true. But at the same time, you look around the league and virtually every single other team made a deadline move. <laughs> so this idea that the Bulls just had no options available to them or there was no option that was necessarily going to make sticking to what they were currently doing any better, like I just can't buy that. Like Maybe you couldn't have gone and, and got a Josh Harden example because the Knicks had to give up a first-round pick and, and Cam Reddish in that deal. So maybe something like that wasn't possible. But we just saw Rui Hachimura win or play a big part in a Lakers win in the playoffs here. Now, I'm not a big Rui guy. Was I out there pushing or advocating that you had to go and get Rui? No, but I'm using this as an example whereby the Lakers, a team who, who themselves had very, very few assets, certainly were not you know strapped with a lot of picks or anything like that. But they traded a second-round pick in Kendrick Nunn for Rui Hachimura, who, like I said, today helped the, the Lakers win a playoff game. Now, I'm not sitting here advocating for Rui Hachimura. I'm just using that as an example. Another one, the Atlanta Hawks, a team who are in a similar position to the Bulls, who potentially have underwhelmed, could have stayed stagnant. They didn't necessarily do that. They went out and acquired someone like Sadiq Bey, who, again, not a, a world beater, but clearly someone who was on the table, someone who potentially could have been had. They send a, uh, you know, they got him with a bunch of second-round picks, if I'm not mistaken. Now, again, I'm not naming guys that are breaking the barrel in that sense, and then maybe the Bulls, <laughs> maybe the Bulls couldn't have got Sadiq Bey as an example because they just don't have multiple second-round picks. But they, they could do have, have done a protected first-round pick, and that would have been well, a great yeah, move. Potentially, that I, I don't buy this idea that they don't have any assets or they couldn't have done anything. The real, the reality is they just didn't prioritize that for whatever reason. I don't know why that is because reasons i guess but like the, the, there were options for them to to do something to bolster this roster now again i'm not saying that they could have gone out and grabbed an all-star or someone that was going to dramatically change the fortunes of this team but essentially their their view was let's keep it together and if we get lucky at the buyout then cool and in some respects they did get lucky at the buyout with patrick beverly if it wasn't going to be him maybe it was going to be russell westbrook but if those guys weren't available then what was the plan thereafter it's seemingly there wasn't one so this idea that they couldn't have done anything or doing nothing was the best uh, course of action, again, I just I just can't get with that. Hundred percent agree. Um, I also think like if if uh, the only way to make them here, here's I guess the way that I'll frame it is like I think they wanted to find moves that would make them better without giving up any assets. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But what I think they really wanted to avoid was to make moves that could make them better, but you would probably have to take a step back in order to do so. And that would involve trading Damar or Vooch. Um, the not trading Vooch thing at the deadline is just completely um, bewildering to me and I, I think a lot of other people, and we'll get to that in a little bit here. But um, what do you think about this this quote that he says, you know, they couldn't have done much better than going 14 and nine after the deadline. And this idea that, despite losing in the plan, despite 
missing his stated goal of making the playoffs um, to have a, a confidence and a uh, a pride in going 14 and nine. What do you make of that? And how do you think um, it affects what will happen this summer? Because to me, I think a lot of people, this is probably how Matt felt. And I've said this a couple of times is just that like, if they were to have any modicum of success, whether that be make the play in or end the season strong or make the playoffs. And even if they got swept in the first round, that they would use that as evidence to support an argument to support their thesis that they don't have to make any sweeping changes or enter a rebuild or make a big move that might, you know, take a step back now to take two steps forward later, um, that they don't have to do that because they went five games over 500. Mm -hmm. I, I don't buy that, but the fact that that was said during this press conference, I think was probably the most single, most concerning thing to me. Um, I would love to hear what Dave has to say about this. And I, I know we'll talk about it tomorrow because I think that was really, um, a divisive sort of, um, idea that we talked about a lot leading up into the play-in tournament. Should they do it? Should they not? But the fact that a five games above 500 record in the last 23 games of the season could be that valuable. And, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's why I asked the question, like, how do you weigh that final stretch against the larger picture? Like, does that matter more to you than being a sub 500 team than losing in the play in? And he of course said that, you know, he, they need to explore the bigger picture and that all their, they, they're not committed to anything and that they're going to explore every option. But the fact that that was such a, um, focal point of of their opinion about the second half, I think, really is concerning to me. Well, that's where I wanted to lead with this. So, I'm I'm hoping everyone tuning in is thankful that we we as CHGO exist because that meant Will was there on the ground asking these pointed questions to to AK, and that was a good question that you asked him. Like, how do you, how do you prioritize the the 14 and nine record that 23 game sample versus the previous 59 games, if I've done my math correctly. And what you were inferring there was like, are you, why are you weighing up this third of the season more? Or why are you taking more of that uh, as a, you know, the fact-based approach and just ignoring that 59 game sample. So like that, that was a really good questioning from you. It was concerning to me that they were kind of, you know, almost ignoring the, the, the larger chunk or the larger sample in that regard and not just the larger sample from this season, but obviously last season as well, like because the team has largely ranked, remained consistent. It's, like, it's not like you just have to focus on this season. We've got also last season to think about too. So that was really good questioning from you in, the, in that regard. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, that, that element of it, like, and this is why last time we spoke, I, I was saying that irrespective of whether we get into the playoffs or whether they lose in the plane, and this is the same sentiment that Dave was making that he was trying to to you know push back against with against Matt. Like whether they made the play in or not, whether they made the playoffs or not, if this management group, if this ownership group wants to continue with this with this current group as they're seemingly wanting to do based on what AK has said, they didn't need any more justification. Like they would have done that regardless of whether they went into the playoffs or not. And AK really, really, uh, you know, made that clear the other night or on Saturday. So they didn't make the playoffs and they still want to pursue this team. So this idea that had they made the playoffs, that that just gave more credence to them to push forward with this group. Well, we just got our answer here. Like 
we we got the answer. This was a sub five hundred team. Yes, they were above five hundred in their last twenty three games, but because of that twenty three game sample, like that was enough for AK to go. Yep, I need to bring this this entire squad back, or at least pursue this option. So the Bulls didn't need to make the playoffs for AK to, to continue down this path. Them being forty and forty two, just scraping into the plane and getting to that nine spot, like that is more than enough. So. Irrespective of the results in that res- in, in that regard, clearly for whatever reason, they're favoring this 23-game sample. They're, they're basing their entire decision-making on that. That's uh, extremely risky considering the 23-game sample is a lot smaller than 140-odd other games. Uh, well, it's even more than that, 160-odd games. So uh, it's an interesting decision, but uh, not one I would be pursuing forward with. But it just shows the insight as to where their thinking is, and that thinking is running it back. Yeah, and I... I don't agree with that in terms of um, was this final game going to affect the outcome? I think it absolutely would have. I think if they won that game and went into the playoffs and got swept by the Bucks, Arturis would have said, well, we didn't finish the season how we wanted, but we, we accomplished our goal of getting the playoffs. We played so much better down the stretch. We had one of the best net ratings in the league post all-star. We're the best defense. And, you know, if we just had a little bit more time together as a group to build continuity, we would have been, you know, we would have given the Bucks a real run for their money and probably not have even had to face them in the first round because we would have finished the season much better if we brought this group back together. So I don't buy that. I think he would have squeezed every ounce out of that one additional win that he could have. Um, but again, but, I like... Mean, didn't you kind of already do that? Like... <laughs> Maybe not saying that we would have won or got to the playoffs and met that goal, but he say like basically they said everything else. Goal. And I think if he won, if they won that one final game, he could have said we met our goal. And I think that's the line between those two things. I think is a really important one. Obviously, he's not going to come out and say, "Here's our plan to you know trade Demar and retool around Zach, and you know we'll try to sign and trade." He's not going to say any of that. So it's not like surprising that he kind of played all. You know, he pl- played all of the different options. But I think to take such a stand on basically like performing well at the end of the season, but still missing the playoffs, that's concerning to me. Um, Maybe you're right that like, you know, it wouldn't have really mattered either way. But to me, I think that's, that's a significant like hurdle to clear if you make the playoffs for a group that's goal was to make the playoffs. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, the, the way I interpret it was a little bit differently, and I interpret it because of the question that you had asked, AK. And to me, it was just very, very clear. Like, even in his opening statement before he, he was uh, quizzed by the media, like, he was listing out all the reasons as to why things played out a certain way, justifying why they built the team a certain way. And even before the question started rolling in, he was espousing the fact that he really loved the way this group finished together, the fact that their record was this and that type thing. So even before the questions came in, AK was making it very clear as to what his position was was on the matter. But to your question, they were making it very clear that they were still, irrespective of the playing result, favoring that 23-game sample, favoring what they saw in the playing. So they obviously lost in the playing in dramatic fashion. Had they won in, in, in the postseason, maybe that emboldens, emboldens them further rather. But clearly, even without it making yeah. the playoffs, it sounded very adamant that they wanted to continue doing what they're doing right now. And, and maybe that was just speak. Maybe his actions will be very different in the offseason. We'll see in a few months' time. But based on what was said on Saturday, it kind of felt like regardless of what was happening in the play-in, even if they didn't make the playoffs, 
14 and nine was enough for them to uh, continue what they're doing. Yeah. And I think for me, it's the emboldened piece that you mentioned in terms mm-hmm. of the recommitment to this group. I think if Arturis doesn't do anything again this summer, he's going to have to sit back down in front of the media and answer the question. You guys missed the playoffs last year. What makes you think anything's going to be different now? And I think that's a harder question to answer than you guys made the playoffs. What makes you think that you're going to be able to advance past the first round? Um, Let's uh, let's answer this uh, super chat here um, and then go into a quick break. What do you think about this from Samuel Samuel Martin? What would be more exciting for you? A rebuild where you move all three or a retool where I assume you maybe sign and trade or let Vooch walk and maybe move Damar or Zach and kind of build around one of those three? Uh, more exciting, I guess it's hard to say because we don't necessarily know what the return would be. Like, for example, like a rebuild would be very exciting if you could get back into the 2023 draft, but are teams who, whatever you trade out at the moment, like, are they handing you over 2023 draft picks or are they giving you something in 25, 27, whatever the scenario may be? If that's the case, then I'm less excited about a rebuild. But if we're getting back something that gets us back into this draft, then cool. That would make it very exciting. But similarly, like a retool, whether that's trading out one or more of the big three, like that potentially could be exciting as well. If for whatever reason, if they're capable of it, if they were able to put together a functioning team that made more modern sense, like the way the Kings, the Kings have showed us this season based on good coaching, good strategies, the right personnel around the right people that you can have good successful seasons. Now I'm not expecting the Kings to go on and win the championship or anything like that. And maybe there's certain people that wouldn't even have fun watching a Bulls team do what the Kings have done this season because that, you know, they have that title of bus mentality, but do I think it's possible to potentially retool things where you could be a good fun team like the Knicks have been this season or like the Kings have been out West? Yeah, cool. That that would be fun as well. But like, again, is that on the table? Is that something you can really do if you traded a DeMar or traded a sign and traded a Vooch? I, I don't really know. So I, I guess that's my long way of saying I don't know what would be more exciting um, because I don't know what the return would be. But I think one of those paths have to be explored, whether it's a rebuild or a, or a retool. I think you have yeah, to explore I think, one of those paths rather than just doing what they're currently doing. 100% agree. And I think to your King's point, we've seen that like, you know, the Kings don't out-talent the Warriors or the Suns, but they play above the sum of their parts because of how well the pieces fit together and how well mm. the system that they play in works for them. And I think if you're taking, like I mentioned, that step back to take two steps forward, maybe, you know, everybody's bringing up Trey Murphy for some reason in the comments. Love Trey Murphy, uh, 6'10", sniper. Like, if the Bulls could get that kind of guy and something else to fill the cap for DeMar, I would definitely consider it because he's a young piece who gives you a an elite weapon um, and, and may help raise the floor of your group just by virtue of, like, playing at a to a better system and fitting. Again, I don't want to say fitting because I, I don't think it, the fit is the problem. I think it's the... This, the complimentary pieces. But anyway, um, let's go into another quick ad break here. Um, but first, we got 159 people watching. We got 45 likes. Make sure to smash the like while Mark tells us about Shady Rays. 
Yes, friends, come come support our friends at Shady Rays. Uh, if you, you you people in the Northern Hemisphere, you're approaching the summer the summertime. What what's the temperature there today, William in Chicago? You got a jumper on today, so I'm assuming it's not as it got, hot. It got cold again, Mark. It got cold again. It got cold. Like well, that's degrees. that's a shame. I'm I'm sad to hear that, but nonetheless, soon I I promise you, soon the sun will be coming out. Summer will be heating up, and when that occurs, obviously you want to be wearing shady rays uh sunnies to protect your protect your eyes and what better way to do that than wearing absolutely premium polarized shades at an affordable price so shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good just as good as any expensive porn uh, pair that you may have worn anywhere uh they've got durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures hell if you want to be wearing them getting around downtown in chicago you can obviously wear them too and that's not all this is the best part friends shady rays offers the most insane protection in all of their eyewear so every pair of glasses that you buy is backed by their lost and broken replacement so whether you lose it whether you break your sonny's whether it's on day one or whatever it might be our friends at shady rays will hook you up with a replacement pair so not only are you getting great pair of sonny's not only uh, are you saving a ton of money in that sense compared to these really expensive brands who are just so, so, so overpriced for what they are? You've got this replacement policy in the background as well. So what more could you possibly want? So if you want to support us here at CHTO, then do us a favor by helping out our, fr- our friends over at Shady Rays uh, who are giving you the best deal of the season. So go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code CHTO for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunnies. So try them out for yourself. Over 250,000 people have given Shady Rays a five-star review online. So uh, maybe you could be 250,001. I implore you to go check out our friends at Shady Rays using promo code CHGO. Implore. Implore. Um, Let's talk about ComEd as well, Mark. Okay. Let me just bring it up. (laughs) 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 William. Yes. The Comet of Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in their communities that we are in. They're just helping that they're there to serve us all. So helping us manage our energy usage and lower lower our energy bills now and into the future. That is absolutely correct, Mark. Comet offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Exactly. And can you tell me, William, and everyone tuning in, how it actually works? I would be glad to. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan for your specific goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project cost, potential incentives, and simple payback. So if you own a business, do not wait. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to do a schedule for a free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering biz. Well, I want to save on money, G. Did you say comed.com slash powering biz? I did. I said, if you want to save money, go to comed.com slash powering biz, B-I-Z, biz. All right, let's move on to stage three. We're naming this section 
the rebuild. Um, so I think this this section got the headlines. It was a long quote, Joey. If you can pull it up, um, he said, "To be honest, we've shown we've shown so much improvement here. At any time, I'm going to be open to pretty much anything on how to improve the roster." Um, that's been thrown around all season to blow it up, rebuild. It's not on our mind. I think the moment we changed our minds in 2021 season to kind of focus on winning and try to build a sustainable program here. I think that's what we're focused on now, how we can help this group and how we can improve this year. And that's what our off season's goal is going to look like. We're going to consider everything and how we can compete with the top teams. So there it is, guys. That is the triple down quadruple down on this core that we're not heading into a rebuild and look i didn't expect a, a full-blown rebuild i do think that that's probably what they should do um as i've talked about before like okay if you're going to retool and trade damar and vooch decides he wants to leave then you're left with zach and the kids and we've watched that movie before if you want to trade zach for a haul then you're building around 34-year-old Damar and the kids. And like Damar's great, but what's what's the long what's the long game there? Um, so in that sense, to me, a longer rebuild might make sense. I do think, like I said, there are ways you could find players that would make you play above the sum of your parts. But to me, this basically says it all that there's not going to be a full-on rebuild. What what did you make of that quote? And and do you agree with it? Yeah, and look, this was a, one of the final questions that was asked. I think Sam Smith was the one that asked him around this question, and like the fact, like, is is the rebuild a thing that potentially could be on the table? And and I don't know why he answered it the way he did, but as you as you read there in terms of the quote, like he said, everything is on the table, and that he will consider everything. But then he goes and says, "Oh, by the way, actually, no, a rebuild is not on the, <laughs> on the table." Obviously, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's effectively what was said. So clearly, not everything is on the clay, on the table. Clearly, you're not considering all options. And to your point, based on that response, but the fact that every time he was asked about the record over the last 23 games, when he was asked about certain free agents, the fact that he wants to bring them back, and yeah, sure, he will probably say he wants to bring back all his free agents. Okay, but to your point, like this is the money quote in that sense that. He didn't use the word continuity, but in some regards, like that's kind of obviously what they're going with. And clearly a rebuild is not on the table. So they're not considering everything. And that's disappointing because you as a team over the last two seasons have been 86 and 78 as a record. Yeah, you made the playoffs last season. You got absolutely smoked in the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs this season. I don't know how you can't be considering every single thing. Like even if you're just taking calls, like are we now to infer or to read into this comment that you're not going to be exploring, you know, trades for Zach Levine as an example, or DeMar DeRozan, whatever it might be. Maybe that falls under retooling. Maybe this is all just semantics or having different definitions of certain things. But why why should a rebuild be completely pulled off the table? Like if, if a team was going to come to you and offer you, I don't know, some some picks inside that that will be part of this 2023 draft, like, are you just not going to consider that at all because you want to continue going down this path because your team in the last 23 games were 14 and nine? Like I would have been more comfortable if you just said everything's on the table, but don't tell me everything is on the table. But also, by the way, guys, actually no rebuilding is not on the table because <laughs> everything is not on the table. Everything's not on the table, clearly. Yeah, I mean, we, we've hit on it before. Um, I'm trying to find the, 
the quote, but uh, I think it's Travis has been saying, you know, it's on Billy that he doesn't like Billy. We need a better coach. Um, I, I don't think this is a Billy thing. I don't think this is a Zach thing. I don't think it's a DeMar thing. I don't think it's a Vooch thing. I don't think it's a Kobe, a Patrick, a Dalen. Um, I don't think it's any of those. I think it's a Arturis Karnaschevas thing. And um, they, they're they in a position right now where they're handcuffing themselves if they're not doing that. And look, like we've, like we've said, they're not going to come out with a slide deck going through all of their trade scenarios and who they called and and what their options are and what potential pathways they could take. That would be stupid to do that. It would also be stupid to commit to anything at this point. And basically what he's done is commit to not fully rebuilding. Now, exactly. Zach Levine mm-hmm. could ask for a trade tomorrow and that could shake the whole thing up. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's... It's silly not to consider all your options. Um, you have dished out so many of your assets. You could get so much more in return. You could like recoup all the assets you you sent out plus a lot more if you traded Zach. Um, you could recoup basically all the assets you've sent out for just Amar. Um, Vooch may decide he doesn't want to come back at all, and that could spur a rebuild. Um, like if, if Vooch says, I'm not resigning, and Zach says, trade me, like, what are you left with? Um, you're left with Damar. So at that point, again, do you want to build with a 34-year-old? He's great. He's an all-star. But like, is that really what you want to do? Um, again, I don't think he's going to go into a press conference saying, we are going to rebuild. We're going to blow this thing up. But to take anything off the table for this team, I think is a big mistake. And maybe he's not telling the truth. But if that if that's the the world that they're living in, I think that they are going to be stuck on this treadmill of mediocrity. I think that's how you stay where you are. Um, And it also opens up avenues for them to trade more future assets to triple, quadruple, quintuple down on this same core. And I think that's, again, a huge mistake. So uh, concerning stuff there, but obviously they want to get better. And I respect that. Like The whole reason why they put this team together, and I think you and I both agree that the process was right. You bring in... You know, everybody was knocking on Zach. Like he can't perform in the clutch. He doesn't have a good handle. So what you need is a, you know, bigger wing who can facilitate. Great. You got Demar who can get a shot off at any time. You need a post presence who can, you know, dribble pass, shoot. You got that in Vooch and you need young players who can develop along them. Great. You got Kobe, you got Patrick, you got Dalen. It all worked because of Lonzo, but right now Lonzo's not there and it's not working. So you do have to be ready to uh, to pivot and i think it's the same conversation at the deadline they probably we don't know but they probably had options to make moves to go the other way and because they are only trying to compete and move forward they're not open to that and i think that's a mistake yeah and look i'll maintain this until uh I'm six feet under, but like if your entire viability of a team is based on a non non all-star like if your peaks as a team is based clearly around Lonzo Ball, like your team is extremely fragile. So that to me, I just can't, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, like if that's their thinking, I just can't deal with that. I can't go with that. But I, I guess the thing that annoys me about this or another thing that like frustrates me about this in some ways, and maybe I'm inferring this and so maybe he's not me- meant to, or this isn't his intent in, term- in terms of the way he comes across. But I kind of, I find it very smug and uh, somewhat condescending in the way that's because Casey Johnson was sort of asking AK directly, like, 
How are you going to add shooting? How he, AK spoke about like he wanted to add more physicality to um, limit second chance points and those sorts of things. Like he wants to do all of these things all whilst bringing back the same squad. Casey was also pressing him on the whole luxury tax piece as well. And coming back to what I was, I was going to say, like Casey asked him point blank, like how how are you going to do all these things when you have limited assets? Like we can all see from afar, like we're not all a bunch of dopes here. We can see that you don't have cap space. We clearly know you don't have a ton of picks to throw out. Um, you don't have, whether it's first round picks, second round picks, you don't necessarily have a lot of players on the roster themselves who you can maybe want to send out and get back something. You've already signaled that you're not really prepared, prepared to do that because you didn't do it at the deadline. You do it in the off season. So how... How are you going to necessarily make everything work thereafter? And AK just comes across very smug when he sort of just sits there. And again, I'm not, I'm not sitting ex- expecting him to say, well, I can do this. I can use this first round pick to do this. or I can do this and that. I'm not expecting him to give categoric answers. But this idea that the, the, the things that we're bringing up or the limited assets that we see, that the Bulls can just find a path around that and they can just make something happen out of thin air. And the way he sort of, and again, again, maybe I'm reading it into it correct, incorrectly. Maybe, maybe it's not smugness. Maybe it's just confidence. I mean, it, it might not be arrogance. Um, but it just, it just bothers me that I guess he's just so confident that they can find a way to overcome this mess based on I don't know something. Clearly, and the the part that annoys me is like, well, how are you going to do that? You don't have the assets. And uh, he didn't really address Casey's question. It was a very good question, but. It's just like okay, well, we'll we'll see what happens in the offseason. Basically, is the answer. And again, that's he may be confident, but it doesn't fill me with confidence. Yeah, and AK in the comments says uh, maybe AK will surprise us, and the press conference comments were, were all just smoke. That's certainly a possibility, and I don't want to come off like I'm saying Arturus is a dumbass. I think he's a really smart guy, but I think he is in a tough spot, and um, obviously he wants to compete. And I think what we'll get to next year, and, and sorry, this is going to be a longer show, but uh, what we'll get to next year is the fact that this is going to be a difficult proposition to, to add more to this roster while also bringing everybody back while, you know, also trying to compete because right now they're not super competitive. So uh, one more quick ad from our friends at game time, and then we'll get into the cap stuff. Game time is one of our best friends here at CHGO. We talk about it all the time because it is the best place to buy tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts, music, uh, comedy shows, theater shows, anything you're looking for. Um, my girlfriend's dad is coming to visit us in June and he's a big baseball fan. So we were thinking about buying some Cubs tickets and we're looking on like the MLB app, but of course buying tickets this far in advance super expensive. And then I was like, oh yeah, we have a partnership with game time. I'm going to do that. So, uh, we are going to take a look a little bit closer to the date because that's the whole point of game time. We can, uh, take our time and not worry about it. There are flash deals and last minute tickets for every event that you could possibly want to go to in the Chicago land and United States areas. Um, you can see an image of your seat, the view from your seat on the app And like I said, the best part about it is that you don't have to plan these things months in advance. The tickets come up on that same day. You can get sales for them. And with promo code CHGO, when you sign up, you can get 20% off your first purchase. So terms apply. But again, to create an account on the GameTime app, 
redeem promo code CHGO and you will get $20 off your first purchase. Last minutes, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Game time app. Mark, what time is it? Game time who? Game time who? Um, another uh, super chat that we got to and then we'll get into the cap stuff here. Will and Mark, what did you make of what AK said about Lonzo and that he thinks Lonzo will play again as a bull? Um, we kind of hit on that stuff a little bit earlier. I think at this point, he's just got to hold out optimism. Like there's just not much he can do. Uh, he can't really apply for a season ending injury. If the goal is to get him back next season, um, you know, obviously he's not going to apply for a career ending injury exception if they want to get him back. And that's really what they should be trying to do. Obviously the odds of a surgery like this, not great, but, um, I think that's they're really their best path forward, and um, that's that's kind of how they need to go. But um, again, with Lonzo's twenty million dollars of dead cap, it becomes difficult to add the talent that Arturis says that he wanted to add. So um, he said, Nikola Vucevic, huge part of our team, and that we hope to retain him. He said, when asked, "Do you want to retain Kobe White?" He said, "Absolutely." On Iudasumu, he said, "I think it's going to be a big offseason for him, but I hope he's here." Uh, for a long time as well. Didn't even mention Patrick Beverly, who was the fulcrum of the 14 and nine finish that he talked about being on the right track. Uh, so that's a lot of free agents and not a lot of cap space. Joey, if you can throw up the cap sheet that Mark put together in his latest piece from allchgo.com, he kind of runs through here and Mark, I'll let, I'll let you do it, but um, make sure to check out the full story. It is behind our diehard paywall. So you'll have to subscribe to sign up, but totally worth it for this. Uh, you'll get a free t-shirt and a bunch of other stuff, including this article. But Mark, take us through the precarious cap situation that the Bulls are now faced in. Yeah, so I was obviously, this was something I was going to go write about regardless because I'm just interested in this stuff. But based on AK's comments, like, and the fact that he wanted to bring back all his guys, the the free agency piece, the the overall theme of the thing being, uh, the team that got us, you know, to a fourteen and nine record over the last twenty three games, like that's the path we want to continue. Well, cool, like it's all good and all good and well to say these things, but is it functionally possible to do it all? So the cap sheet, I went down and, and broke down the numbers, and what we're looking at here is just the just eleven players. So it's we're looking at the guys who have active contracts or potentially will have active active contracts. So obviously, guys like Zach Demar, Lonzo, as you mentioned. Um, Caruso, Patrick Williams, I've assumed Andre Drummond and Derek Jones Jr. are opting into their deals. And of course, Dale and Terry. Um, so those are your active guys. And then I'm considering also the, you know, the key free agents that that uh, AK mentioned. So if for whatever reason, they bring back Vooch on a, on a deal that pay, pays him around 20-ish million dollars, which seems like a fair value deal. Um, if they bring back Kobe on a deal that's somewhere in that twelve million vicinity, like on a, a three-year forty million dollar deal or something like that, which again I think is somewhat reasonable. If you bring back Ayo Desumu on a deal that pays him five million annually, let's just assume that all that was to happen. That's eleven guys right there. That that team will cost the Bulls one hundred and fifty-seven point six million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's that's that. Just for 11 guys, that's how much you're paying for those guys. You're over the cap in that scenario. And that's before I've considered, obviously, paying guys like Patrick Beverly. You know, if you were to grab a first round pick, but potentially in this draft or whatever it might be, before you even consider who you've signed, oh, I'm assuming you wouldn't use the mid level exception because you're so close to the tax. 
before I've even considered who you would add as vet minimum guys, I haven't even considered Javante Green, who maybe they may or may not want to bring back. The point is, the tax line is $162 million next season, or at least it's projected to be. As I noted there, based on that assumption, based on that cap sheet or those assumptions there, that's $157.6 million. So it just basically leaves you $4.4 million under the tax line based on, again, those assumptions I made. $4.4 million to fill out the rest of your roster is not a lot. Including Patrick Beverly, who's not even accounted yeah, for in this situation. Including Patrick Beverly, and this obviously is without taking into account adding shooters, adding bigger bodies, like AK said, to help with the second chance points issue, that sort of stuff. So how are you improving your roster with $4.4 million left under the tax? And the reason, obviously, we're talking about the tax is ownership never pay the tax. I can't expect they're willing to pay the tax for this group, a team that was under 500 and didn't make the playoffs. So how are you improving your roster with $4.4 million under the tax whilst at the same time bringing every single guy back? You can't. That's basically, that's basically the end result. Unless... For whatever reason, Vooch is extremely generous, signs a really favorable uh, favorable deal. Maybe Kobe signs a very favorable deal. Maybe Io signs a very, very favorable deal. At that point, the calculus changes. You open up a little bit more space. But still, even then, you're still going to be up against the tax once you've fielded out the rest of your roster. So how do you really go about bringing it all back, but also adding to it? It's not really feasibly possible. It doesn't really make sense which is, again, another reason why once you start thinking about how this will actually happen in AK's words, again, feel very hollow because everything he spoke about the other day on Saturday, you can't just do it all. The math just doesn't add up, which again, back to a previous point I made before, like are we? is he treating us like dummies in the sense that here's like well, that we can't do this cap stuff, that we can't look at your assets, that we can't see this sort of stuff? Like is he being overly confident or being maybe even arrogant in some senses because of that like we, we can clearly see that if you want to bring everyone back that it just doesn't work cap wise and that, that's the part i can't get past like how do you do all this how do you bring everyone back at the same time fix the deficiencies you had the answer is you can't yeah and uh, seeing multiple questions here about the uh, disabled player exception for alonso even if for some reason they said alonso's not playing next year let's apply for it that nine and a half million would apply to the salary cap. You don't just get that for free. So that would, again, push them into the luxury tax, which they're not going to do. People are talking about Kuzma, um, signing him as a free agent. They have the $11.5 million mid-level exception, which is, first of all, not going to be enough money for him, but again, going to push them into the tax. Um, AK did say, in terms of support from ownership, from Jerry and Michael, I'll always add support. And just obviously that's going to have to be justified when we're ready to push forward. Um, it waits to be seen this offseason what this team is going to look like. That's obviously in terms of using the luxury tax. So he has the ability to go forward and ask those guys, ask the ownership group for additional money to go into the tax. But if I'm Michael Reinsdorf, what's the point of going into the tax for a 40 win team mm-hmm. to, to to like maybe add, you know, a, I mean, these mid-level guys are like players, but they're not like impact guys. So I, if I were him and my goal was to stay out of the tax. I would not go into the tax for this. Um, I do think based on the numbers that you have brought up that, um, you know, even if he did want to run it back, that that's pretty much all they could do. I mean, they could do that and stay under the tax. I think that's possible, 
um, assuming guys like Vooch, Kobe, Io, and Patrick Beverly take team friendly deals, not team friendly, but, um, you know, yeah. not get overpaid. Um, but that's certainly not going to leave them with any space to make additions, which as we've talked about with the shooting, uh, the depth, the rim protection, the point guardsmanship, like they have a lot of holes to fill. They need to make some mm-hmm. consolidation trades. They more, most likely need to trade one of Damar, Zach or Vooch, um, it just you can't have your cake and eat it too given the numbers given the the cap situation given what trade assets you currently have which is virtually nothing um now like i said they have that blazers pick which they can hopefully squeeze something out of portland who's under pressure from dame to win now maybe they can get something good from them but you don't just get stuff for free and Mm -hmm. even if you do get stuff it applies to the cap and so they're right up against it um it is not going to be easy and again like it's it's one thing to be critical of arturis and the group that he's put together and the situation that he's gotten himself into it's another thing to say he is like a dummy or bad at his job or whatever it is i'm not saying any of that i think like what he's done the process originally made a lot of sense and it worked obviously with lonzo out that has changed a lot of things and it becomes a lot harder with that money and just not having him. But, um, he's got a tough, tough road ahead, a lot of tough decisions to make. And I am for one really excited to see how the summer goes because a lot could change, um, or a lot could not change. And that would cause a lot of frustration. So I think we'll call it a a pod for there. We went a little bit overboard. Sorry about the minutes there, Joey, but, um, I'm glad we got into all this stuff. I think it deserves, um, a deep dive here. So Mark, I appreciate you joining to talk with me about it. Um, again, go check out my article on the end of the season at all CHGO. Go check out my article on my takeaways from this AK presser and take a look at Mark's article on the website about the salary cap, much more in depth, deeper dive into not just like what probably happens, but a bunch of different avenues, really, really good stuff from you, Mark. Obviously, follow Mark on Twitter at MKHoops. I am at Will underscore Gottlieb. And we will be back tomorrow with Matt and Dave. Bow! In your face! Uh, to, to break down some more stuff um, and just get into the summer bowls and the playoffs and all of it. So, again, appreciate you all. Thanks again, Mark. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you.